This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. Before we get started here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, let me tell you about Football Insider, our text subscriber service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really key, keeps me in touch with the uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a tech service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Everybody, welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. It is our picks edition of the podcast as well. So let me introduce our entire panel a little bit different today. Ellis is not with us, but he couldn't resist. He still sent me his picks. Uh, he'll, he'll be back next week. So we're bringing in uh, Mary Kay Cabot today for her uh, picks podcast debut. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing well. Doug Maurice joining us as well. I can't wait to see what, what Doug has in store for us. Ready to win more fake money. <laughs> and our, our texter today is uh, Jim joining us. Jim, I, I should have asked you this before uh, we went on the air, but we're going to put it out there for everybody to hear. I want to make sure I say your last name right. Sure, it's Hauk. Okay, that's what I thought. I didn't want to butcher mm -hmm. it, so uh, we'll just, just put it out there for everyone to hear. Now, in the second half of this pod, Mary Kay and I will talk to Les Carpenter about the Washington football team, so stay tuned for that. But first of all, we've got some picks to get through, and I want to get everybody updated on where we stand. So Doug is our leader, 5-3 and three 
overall. He went two and two last week. Uh, look, we all, the Browns messed us all up last week. We all lost that pick. But Doug also lost the Panthers plus nine and a half over the Bucks, but he did get the Dolphins plus five and a half over Buffalo and the Ravens minus seven over the Texans. For me, I'm right in the middle, four and four, two and two, every single week, Mr. Consistency. Uh, I won the Rams over the Eagles, the 49ers over the Jets, but lost the Chiefs over the Chargers because I have no idea what happened in that game. Ellis, three, four and one overall, two and two last week. He lost the Browns game. Uh, he won the Raiders over the Saints and the Ravens over the Texans, but lost the Titans minus nine over the Jags. And our texter helped out a little bit. Uh, he had a decent week, went two and two, got the texters back on track, got the Raiders plus five and a half over, over the Saints. So he nailed that surprise and also won the 49ers minus seven over the Jets. So Jim, our texters right now are three and five overall. So a chance for you to maybe, uh, make up some ground for the football insider subscribers as we go along this week. We got to get to even 500 at least. Let's do that. <laughs> there we go. See, I am Mr. 500. Dan, Dan, I do want to give you credit. The two you hit last week, the Niners and the Rams both won so easily. You had both those, your wins were locked up in like the first quarter of those games. So well done on those. <laughs> if, we, if I were betting real money, I'd have felt really good about things. All right, Doug, you are the leader. So I guess we'll let you go first with your first pick here. So one thing I'm going to do very quickly is I said at the start of this that I was going to bet against the Bills every week. And then last week, Josh Allen threw for 700 yards and 11 touchdowns. I still won that game. I got a backdoor cover kind of out of the Dolphins. But I'm going to stop betting against the Bills because Josh Allen looks a little too good to me. And I think he's mad at me and he's going to throw for 15 touchdowns this week. So quick, my theory, there are 11 two and O teams. There are 11 O and two teams. I think some of the two and O teams aren't really as good as two and O. I think there are some pretty good O and two teams. So I looked this week, where were their opportunities to try to find some, some spots where maybe some lines I think maybe are too much about the record. I found two games where there's a two and O team that I don't like against an O and two team that I do like. So that's where I'm going to start with my first pick, and it is the Texans plus three and a half against the Steelers. Deshaun Watson had to deal with the Chiefs and the Ravens to start the year. I said early in the year that I do like the Steelers, but, you know, they looked a little vulnerable last week. So the, are, are the, the Texans have to be desperate, not because of their, their fault, because of their schedule. Can they afford to get to 0-3? I think the Texans are going to come out knowing that already their playoff lives are kind of on the line. To get points in Pittsburgh, I feel really good about that. So I'll take the Texans plus three and a half. Before we move on, I got to jump in here and say, Doug, I said everything you say on here lives forever. That Josh Allen soundbite, Mary Kay, that's going to live forever now for Doug. That's going to be our new pod intro. Did I hear you say <laughs> that he might be better than you thought? Or how did you phrase that, Doug? I, I just want to hear it again, really. I think I said he might be slightly more competent than I was giving him more credit for earlier. Listen, I realize that it's the Jets and the Dolphins, which is part of the thing. It's like, hey, listen, man, again, Deshaun Watson had to play the Chiefs and the Ravens, and Josh Allen gets to play the Jets and the Dolphins. So I'm not completely sold on Josh Allen, but I'm also going to stop losing, risking fake money against him because he is, he is a little more accurate. He does move around with his legs, and he just scares me a little bit. I don't trust him but he does scare me to bet against him. 
I still love it. No matter how, no, no, no matter all the qualifiers, I'm still loving it. I need to jump in here though, real quick on, on your pick. And I understand exactly what you're saying. I hear you. The Texans cannot afford to lose this game. There's no way that they can drop to, to O and two, but I'm starting to believe in those Steelers. I'm starting to believe that that big Ben is, is coming back strong. And, and I, I kind of believe in their defense and this one is in Pittsburgh. So I actually have the Steelers covering in this game. All right. So uh, Doug, you got Houston plus three and a half. Mary Kay, you've got Pittsburgh minus three and a half. Jim, did you have that I went game with this game. I went with this game as well. And I like, I like being on the same path as the leader of the pack, Mr. Le Maurice. <laughs> and I chose Houston as well. I think they're going to view the, the Steelers almost as a JV team compared to who they played the first two weeks. And they're going to welcome that challenge against them. I think Deshaun Watson has enough mobility to, to escape the Steelers' pass rush and, and do some damage. And I, and I really like having three and a half points on my side as well. All right. So there we go. I, I, I really thought about this game. I, I stared at it for a little while. And, and in context of how long I looked at the board, a little while is like 10, 15 seconds. But I did stare at it for a little while uh, and thought about picking it. I did not decide to take it. Uh, I don't see it on Ellis's list either. So I'm going to go with my first pick here. And Doug, unlike you, who after just two weeks jumped off the horse, decided that your philosophy, everything you believe in doesn't matter anymore. I will continue, no matter how outrageous the line is, I will continue to bet against Adam Gase and the New York Jets. Now, the, the line here is the Colts minus 11. We're getting to college, college numbers here. But I don't care. I have principles. I have values. It has worked for me in the first two weeks, so I am sticking with it. I'm taking the Colts minus 11 against the Jets. I'm getting worried for you that Adam Gase is going to get fired too early in this year and ruin your strategy because I do I'm, like your strategy. I'm going, to, I'm going to fall below 500 if that happens. <laughs> now, can he, uh, can he switch it up if Gase gets fired? Are we going to let him off the hook on that? Well, you know, what I'm wondering is if this is going to build into uh, eventually, I'm really excited that I got a little bit ahead on this on Twitter, even though I was probably the only one that saw it because I heard a podcast bring this up this week. I'm just excited for months and months of debating whether the Jets should just bail on Sam Darnold and take Trevor Lawrence. So I'm, I'm riding this as long as I can. Uh, Colts minus 11. Big line. I'll take my chances. All right. Uh, uh, Jim, let's get your second pick. All right. And I wasn't sure if, if Doug also picked that Bills Rams game or if that he was pre prepping that for later, but I had that game. Okay. And I like the Rams. I like, uh, well, the fact that Buffalo has played a couple weak sisters so far. We really don't know what they have. Uh, the Rams are a good team. When, I, when I'm laying fake money on games, I look for two <laughs> things I look for, for good teams that are getting points. And I look for bad teams that are laying too many points. And in this case, I see the Rams as a good team. And I, I think they can hang with the Bills, if not beat them outright. So I like the Rams. Yeah. Well, that Ellis is also picking that game, uh, Mary Kay, just so I can get this end up. He's got the Bills minus two and a half versus the Rams. Uh, and I've got to say this because he wanted me to point it out to Doug. He says, taking Bills, I watched the Bills full game last week. Doug is wrong about Buffalo. I was too, but I can admit ah. it. Mary Kay, go ahead. You know what? I, I actually am going to agree with Doug on the fact that Josh Allen really hasn't played anybody yet. And I think that we all have a tendency 
to completely underestimate the value of the opponent every single week. And sometimes we do that in seasons or even in parts of seasons. And I do think that, uh, that Josh Allen has padded some statistics against two very weak teams. I don't think that has happened at all with the Rams. They had a tough way to go in the beginning and they won two difficult games. So I say Rams are winning this one outright. I'll also say Jared Goff has been better than I expected this year, right? I mean, Jared Goff is, is playing really well. And so if I was not a spineless doofus, I would be going along with this. But I love all the thinking, picking the Rams. I'm just too afraid of Josh Allen right now to do it. I did, I did not expect this to turn into everyone but Doug picking against the Bills this week. That was, that was a little bit of a surprise. All right, Doug, what's your second pick? So it's following the theory I outlined before. Is there an 0-2 team that I think is good and a 2-0 team that I'm not quite sure about? There's another one. I'm going to take Atlanta minus three over the Bears. Mitch Trubisky has done some magical things, but they had a comeback against Detroit that they should have lost that game. Atlanta blew the game against Dallas last week, but they went. They had a lead on a, a team that people coming into the year thought might be the best team in the in the NFC in Dallas. So – I just think that line, I think if you would have set a Bears-Falcons line before the year, a game like this might have been seven or eight points. And based off two games, I still really, I think Atlanta wins this pretty handily. So Falcons minus three over Chicago. Yeah, I, I like that. I don't know if the Bears can, can score with Atlanta. That, that's really, I mean, Atlanta's offense is fine. Their, their defense is, has been a little bit of a problem. Okay, uh, let's see. I've got to get a second game here. I've fallen behind. So I'm going to go, I almost never, I've noticed this the last two weeks, I haven't picked a good underdog. So I'm going to go with, with one of the underdogs I liked here because I am, at the moment at least, I am out on the New Orleans Saints. They're kind of a slow starting team anyway. Uh, that game against the Raiders freaked me out. The Packers look really good. So I'm going to take the Packers plus three over the Saints. That game's in the Superdome, but it doesn't really matter as much this year. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Packers plus three over New Orleans. I believe that's the Sunday night game. That's a crazy line. I mean, everybody that I was following, all the football analysts I was following, were watching that Raiders Saints game, act, Saints game acting like Drew Brees' career was over. That like, <laughs> this is it. I mean, honestly, smart football people are like, he can't make the throws anymore. People thought the Saints were like a, a Super Bowl contender and it's done. So I'm a little surprised that that, that, that you said the Packers are getting three against New Orleans. Aaron Rodgers- Aaron Rodgers looks like he's revitalized. Like he looks as good as ever. Drew Brees looks like he's fallen off a cliff. That's, I think that's a great pick, Dan. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was pretty shocked when I saw that. I had to, to check and double check, and I'm, I'm even staring at it again. They've got Green Bay plus three uh, against the Saints, which, which kind of makes me nervous. Maybe they know something uh, that we don't hear uh, about this football game. Such great matchup, quarterback matchups, though, that we have seen. And that I think that's going to be another one. And Drew Brees really does need to rebound in that game. Okay, I, I missed this one. Ellis also is going Atlanta minus three over the Bears. He says the Bears should be 0-2 and Atlanta is a playoff team. This is easy money. And I should note that at the very bottom of his email, he did write, boom, and then in all caps, never lost. So Ellis is with us in spirit. Uh, 
Jim, you got a third a third yeah, game for us? I do, and I, I, I know it's going to be tough to pick this game, but it's such a marquee matchup. I had to put some action on it, so I had some interest on Monday night. But I wanted to pick the Chiefs and Ravens game, and it, it could go any anyone's way, obviously. But if you're going to give Patrick Mahomes three and a half points, Andy Reid three and a half points, and have that big Monday night stage to play on, I have to take the Chiefs. I have to. That's my reasoning for that one. I think that's the right side in that game. I mean, again, the idea might be like, I don't know, maybe you stay away from that. But who wants to stay away from the best game of the weekend? But after what Patrick Mahomes did last week, I mean, the Ravens could be up 35-17 going into the fourth quarter, and you would still think you have a chance to win that bet. So I like that. Yeah, well, the fact Baltimore is, is favored in that game is, I, I think, makes taking Kansas City, you know, you think Kansas City is going to lose by more than three? Uh, that, that's, right. that's a tough case to make, I think. Yeah, what, a, what another amazing quarterback duel to watch. Can't wait to see it. I like your pick. Okay, uh, Mary Kay, third game. Third game for me is, let me see. Um, I have the, the Seahawks. Been loving, loving watching Russell Wilson. Uh, I have them covering covering over the Cowboys. The Cowboys, I think they're struggling a little bit defensively. They're five-point underdogs in this game. I'm taking the Seahawks to cover. All right. I, I looked at this game a little bit, too. I, I, was, uh, I actually was thinking about going Dallas in this game. Now, I, didn't, I didn't take it, but I thought about maybe going Dallas plus five. Uh, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure who the Cowboys are right now. I can't quite figure them out. And, and they got that weird win uh, against, uh, against Atlanta. I, I just can't figure that team out. I do think it's, it can be hard early in the year. Some of the last games we're talking about, Ravens-Chiefs, Bills-Rams, Seahawks-Cowboys. I mean, those are, those are probably six playoff teams that we're talking about there, right? And so, like, who's good and who's really good, right, I think can be hard to figure out early in the year. So, like, I'm staying away. I'm still early in the year trying to look like for, well, who's good against who sucks? You know, that's, that's my strategy, the who sucks strategy. And it's not Josh Allen. So, uh, like, I, I think I don't know which way I would go on that, but I'm too dumb to try to figure out a game like the Cowboys and the Seahawks because I think that could go either way. And I think Dak could lead a comeback, or I think Russell Wilson could lead a comeback. So, But it's going to be a great game to watch. Okay. Uh, Let me ask a quick question, guys. Look, your opinion on this, like Seattle's a really hard place to, to play for a visiting team, but in today's world with – no to a little bit of fans like how much of a difference does home field advantage really mean especially on betting lines i mean i think it's a fascinating discussion and hard to figure out yeah i i think it's diminished i mean having been in ravens you know i've been in baltimore i've been you know in in brown stadium with six thousand fans i think the home field advantage is greatly diminished but I still think there's a sort of a psychological thing about being home, not just the crowd noise, but I just think there's something about being in your own locker room. There's something about looking in your own end zone and looking at your own scoreboard. I still think there is a, at least a psychological home field advantage in most cases. And I, I thought it was interesting last week during the Sunday night game. Uh, they did talk about that, how that game was maybe a little easier for Cam and, and the Patriots because when, like when they were backed up in the end zone, they weren't hearing 120 decibels of crowd noise. They could communicate. There weren't those, those issues. So I, I, I do think it, ma it makes a difference. But 
yeah, look, there's, there's value to getting to sleep in your own bed and drive your own car to the game and, and kind of do things on your own terms that you get when you're at home. Uh, all right, let's see. Ellis here. You know what? I'm going to wait on Ellis because I have to lecture Ellis a little bit if he even listens to this podcast. I, I need to lecture him a little bit. So I'll give you my third game. Buccaneers minus six over the Broncos. The Broncos are without their quarterback. They're banged up. Jeff Driscoll is going to be starting this game. You know, I'm not all in on Tampa Bay and, and Tom Brady, uh, but I certainly think they should be able to beat the Broncos. And, and so I'll take the Bucks minus six over Denver. This was part of, I think, the thinking when we were talking about the Steelers game earlier. I thought Jeff Driscoll, when he came in for Drew Locke against Pittsburgh last week, like looked kind of competent at times, right? He didn't look great, but Denver did move the ball a little bit. And so that actually made me... I had a couple questions actually about the Steelers defense sort of after that. I mean, he, he didn't, he wasn't lights out obviously, but they didn't completely fall off a cliff. So again, like that, that scares me a little bit because I don't think Jeff Driscoll's good, but Drew Locke's so young. It's like, I'm not so sure that right now, Jeff Driscoll maybe doesn't give Denver a better chance to win a game right now than Drew Locke would have. So, and I lost against the the Bucks last week too. So stinking Tom Brady. <laughs> Uh, all right. So let's see, Doug, I need a third game from you. So I like Kyler. I've been, I, I won with Kyler earlier this year. Uh, the Cardinals are minus five and a half against Detroit. The Cardinals are two and zero. Detroit's zero and two. Matt Patricia is nine 24 and one in Detroit. It's only two games in, but if you read and you hear things out of Detroit, it feels like they might be like ready to bail on him. I think this might be like already in week three, the beginning of the end, we might see a race between Adam Gase and Matt Patricia for first coach fired. So I could see something like, and Kyler just erases mistakes. Kyler Murray stuff goes wrong and he just runs for 17 yards. Stuff goes wrong and he flips a little pass. Um, Detroit is not, doesn't know how to win right now. And I think the Cardinals are learning how to win. I, I could see, I could see them blowing the doors off Detroit this week if Detroit is in a little bit of a kerfuffle. Kerfuffle? Flurkuffle? <laughs> I think Arizona might win by three touchdowns. So I'm very comfortable giving five and a half with the Cardinals against the Lions. You know what's so different about this week? And, and Doug, we talked about it last week. There were a lot of games last week that it just – none of them felt great. This week, big, there's big a lines. few games. Yeah, there's a few games that I'm looking at that like, okay, I kind of like that one. I kind of like that one. Uh, you know, this this week seems like a little better of a slate. And maybe that's just, you know, we're getting to know these these teams a little better. Uh, now, Ellis' third pick. And, and Ellis, I'm tempted to just give you a loss on this. Ellis picked the Thursday night game. Now, as we all know, we have a rule here because we record on Thursdays, but it posts on Friday. You can't pick the Thursday night game. But... At 3.25 p.m. on Thursday, let it go on the record that Ellis Williams, Mr. Never Lost, picked to the Jags, minus three versus the Dolphins. Jacksonville's legit. I love the Titans, so I have to respect the Jags now. That's Ellis's reasoning. That sounds like a Jorts pick. <laughs> <laughs> Jorts like, and the stash. I like Brian Flores, too. It's like, I, 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 I mean, I, who doesn't? But... Um, that guy, I, Gardner Minshew is doing things we didn't expect. I just think it's going to be possible at some point that, that Miami is just a little better, uh, than we expected. Again, Josh Allen threw all over Miami last week 
but Ryan Fitzpatrick let him down the field for a backdoor cover. So I, I, I would be – the Dolphins feel like one of those not very good teams that still I would be a little nervous to bet against, right? So I don't know. Yeah, that's one of those teams. They lost to New England, uh, who, you know, again, we saw what New England did when they went up to Seattle. They look like they're pretty good again this year, as always. And then, uh, you know, they lost to uh, – you just said it. They lost to Buffalo. So, uh, you know, we think Buffalo is pretty good. So it's Nobody, hard to kind of get a read on Miami. Nobody's going to watch this game tonight. So how are we going to know if, if he won or not? <laughs> good point. We're, we're wanted, giving him a loss. I wanted to back up real quick on, on your uh, Kyler Murray pick, Doug. I, I like that pick. I, I kind of agree with you. I had great fun watching uh, the Cardinals play against the Washington team. Kyler is amazing this year. And once again, I, I just think it adds to the, uh, the intrigue amongst all these great quarterbacks playing in the NFL right now. Okay, the time has come. I've got three picks from everyone. Uh, and we always will let our football insider lead us off here to pick the Browns mm -hmm. and the Washington football team. The line on this is the Browns minus seven. That's a big one. All right. What do you got for us, Jim? <laughs> I'm a big Browns fan. I love the Browns, uh, but with fake money, I bet with my wallet. And although I think the Browns are going to win, I, I just don't think their defense is strong enough to feel confident they're going to win by more than seven, uh, as we saw last week against the, an even weaker team, that they couldn't do that. Uh, I also think the Browns will have their eyes on the fact that this is a winnable game, and then they have a, a gauntlet of three teams that are going to be a lot tougher to beat, and that pressure might get to them or they may overlook Washington already thinking toward Dallas and the other teams in the coming weeks. Although I do think they pull it out. They have that offensive firepower, but I, I'm just fearful enough to, to think they'll win by that margin. All right. Mary Kay, what do you have? You know what? The Browns are getting some guys back defensively this week. I th think that will help. When I watched uh, some of Washington's film, not overly impressed with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I, I really think that th it's a good matchup for the Browns defensive line, even though they're kind of banged up. Olivier Vernon and Adrian Claiborne might not be able to play this game, but I still think that uh, Miles Garrett, Porter Gustin, Sheldon Richardson, I still think those guys can rattle uh, Dwayne a little bit. I don't know. I, I have the Browns covering this game. Doug? I was going to ask, I thought we might get through 16 weeks without the texter picking against the Browns. So <laughs> I, I respect Jim. Come for, for us. He's, he, with his heart, with his heart, he thinks the Browns are going to win, but with his fake wallet, he'll take the seven. If you didn't make me pick this game, I wouldn't touch this game with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> I have a seven feels like a lot for the Browns to be giving here. I agree with Mary Kay, Dwayne Haskins. And again, I can go, for 45 minutes on Ohio State, guys. D Joe Burrow is more mobile than Dwayne Haskins. Joe Mixon's better than the Redskins running back. There's a lot of things that the Bengals, I think, did offensively last week, even with a rookie quarterback, that the Redskins aren't really there yet. Dwayne is not super – he's not going to run and hurt you. I still think he's feeling his way in the pocket. I do think this is a great opportunity for Miles Garrett to make a huge impact in this game. So I do think it's possible if we get closer to, like, top-end Browns, like what they can be right now. If their offensive line is healthy, we know how well they've played. I think the Browns run the ball all day. 
I think Baker could throw like 18 passes or something in this game because why would you drop back and let Chase Young rush you? Just run. Just give the ball. Let Hunt and Chubb each have 20 carries. I think the Browns absolutely could win 27 to 10, right? Very comfortably. So because I have to pick it, I am going to take the Browns minus seven, but I would feel so strongly about it that if this was just another game floating out there, I would just avoid it because I also think there's like a Chase Young goes nuts, 16-13 kind of possibility, and I wouldn't know which side to be on with that. Well, we're, we're going to do this, I guess, because uh, I think Jim's going to be the only one taking the Washington football team in, in this matchup. I am simply listening to what I heard on Hard Knocks a few years ago from a former Browns offensive coordinator who advised us to not live in our fears. And I think a pick against the Browns here is living in our fears because we all felt burnt by that backdoor cover last week. I just don't think Washington's going to be able to score a ton of points. I know the Browns' defense isn't great, uh, but – I just haven't seen anything out of Washington that says they're going to score enough points uh, to be able to, to keep up with what I think the Browns can do. I'm a little worried about that pass rush, just like you are. But my gut tells me Browns minus seven over the uh, Washington football team. And so uh, that's the direction I'm going to go. Well, I hope you guys are right. I hope you're right. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing about this game too, I think uh, the Browns cornerbacks, you know, I, I was pretty impressed with what Denzel was able to do on AJ Green. And I know AJ is shaking off the rust, but I think that the Dwayne Haskins to Terry McLaurin connection that we've seen, I, I think the Browns can handle that. Not only did they have Denzel, but they've got KJ, Kevin Johnson coming back to play over him in the slot. Uh, they probably have Greedy coming back. So I, I, I don't know. I just think they're going to take away – uh, a few of the things that those guys have been doing well. It is, it's just, I mean, I guess this is football, right? We're trying to figure out, we're trying to get a read on the Browns. And it's like, well, the Ravens were too good and the Bengals were too young. And now the Redskins. I do think it's very possible we're okay. We're also interested, what is their defense, especially their back seven, their pass defense going to look like with some of the guys that are getting back healthy. I think it's mm -hmm. very possible that they're going to look a hundred times better that Kevin Johnson and Greedy are back, right? Mm -hmm. And then... We're going to get to – is Dallas next week? Is that right? Yep. So yeah. then – and then we're going to be like, okay, so their secondary look much better. Is it because they're healthy and they are better, or is it because Dwayne Haskins isn't that good yet? And then Dak might light them up. Like, it is right. really hard, I think, for all of us to get a right. real handle on the Browns so far because, again, I think it's very possible they might look really good this week and win convincingly, and it still won't exactly tell us who they are. Right. I don't think we're going to know who they are until halfway through the season. That's my guess. Okay. Well, there you go. There are all of our picks. Let me uh, review these real quick just to make sure that I have them all correct. I'll give you uh, Ellis's first. Ellis had the Jags minus three against the Dolphins, the Bills minus two and a half against the Rams, the uh, Falcons minus three against the Bears. And I completely forgot that Ellis is on Washington plus seven. So there we go. He says uh, he'd never bet this game in real life, just like you, Doug, but we have to, so after that Burrow backdoor cover last week, living in his fears, I'm out on anything over six points for Cleveland. Browns win 2013. Who doesn't love a good push? So Ellis is taking that, uh, that Washington plus seven as well. Uh, let's see, Jim, I've got you for Houston plus three and a half over Pittsburgh. The Rams plus two and a half over Buffalo. Kansas City plus three and a half over Baltimore and Washington plus seven. Mary Kay, Pittsburgh minus three and a half. Uh, the Rams plus two and a half. Seattle minus five. The Browns minus seven, and Doug, you've got Houston plus three and a half, Atlanta minus three, Arizona 
that's plus five and a half, correct? Ari no, I'm sorry, Arizona minus five and a half, and then the Browns minus seven. And last but not least, I've got the Browns minus seven, the Bucks minus six, the Packers plus three, and the Colts minus 11. Do you guys all remember that? Because you recite it? We got I asked it. you to. All right, uh, Jim, before we let you yeah. go, because I like to put our uh, Football Insider subscribers on the spot every single week. But what is it about Football Insider? Right? Why do you do this? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question. And first of all, because I like to support good local journalism, and I, I view that this product as that. I think it's a luxury for us Browns fans to have the team like you guys and Ellis and Terry covering the team every day and having this access and insight that you provide. I think it's a small price to pay for, for the timeliness and the relevance of what you guys send over. So I'm happy to, to support it and I want you guys to do well and I want it to stay around. So that's why I do it. Well, we certainly appreciate it. And uh, if you're out there listening and you're like, I want to pick games, I want to get texts, I want to get involved in this. All you have to do is text 216-208-3965. You get a 14-day free trial. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, Mary Kay and I will talk to Les Carpenter to get you ready for the Washington football team on Sunday. And Doug, there's a new watch the tape coming soon, right? Got to watch the tape. We'll be out Friday morning. Uh, Ellis Williams breaking down Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Scott Patsko is going to be talking about the Browns offensive line and the Redskins pass rush. We do an hour podcast. We break down two major issues with the Browns each week. We had the debut episode out on Tuesday. We'll be doing that twice a week. Episode two dropping Friday. So we're going to get you. I do, I, I do long runs on the weekend. So I always need a good podcast cue to get going. And if, if you're like me and you need a good podcast cue, we got a couple things coming your way that are going to get you through your weekend and get you ready for Sunday. So make sure that you are subscribed to the Orange and Brown feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Jim, we appreciate you doing this. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank thanks, you, Jim. Jim. All right. Take care, everybody. Now we welcome on from the Washington Post, Les Carpenter. Les, welcome aboard. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Les. Uh, well, we have so many questions for you today about the Washington football team. <laughs> but I'm going to start with the one that I think is on everybody's minds here in Cleveland, and that is, uh, how is Chase Young looking? How has he played so far? And how in the heck did Washington sack Carson Wentz eight times in the opener? <laughs> well, those are probably two questions uh, separately. The one first with uh, with Chase, uh, he's looked great. Uh, you know, you could tell right away in training camp. You know, there's always that one player that might stick out a little bit more. Uh, and in this case, you know, we, we haven't seen these guys at all in mini camps or anything. You walk into training camp and in the first couple practices, I mean, he's just blowing guys up. He's the first guy in the backfield. And it's really kind of been that way during the season, too. Uh, you know, he looked really good against Philadelphia. Obviously, when you're chasing Kyler Murray, it's a little bit different game, and they're still getting used to this defense, and he's still getting used to the NFL. But he looks – I mean, through two games, you can say, gosh, I think this guy's going to be pretty good. Uh, how they sacked Carson Wentz eight times is interesting. I mean, uh, the Eagles line was a little banged up. Uh, this is kind of an underrated line. There's a lot of first-round picks, not just Chase Young. The first-round picks go all the way across this defensive front. I think they're finally playing a defense, too, that was better suited for the talent here. They've been a 3-4 for recent years. When the new regime comes in with Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, I mean, they went to a 4-3. I think it suits the defensive tackles better. I think it suits the pass rushers better. Uh, you know, and they just – I mean, I think what we saw against Philadelphia is kind of what we think this defensive line can be. 
Uh, it would be definitely the strength of this team. And defense is, you know, obviously the side of the ball that this team is going to be better at anyway. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, they, they just, they're, they're, their whole thing is they want to penetrate. They just want to push forward. Uh, and they, they, they've done that so far, but especially against Wentz, who isn't going to move as well as Murray, uh, it, was, it was very effective. So we talk about that line a lot and, and Chase Young, but, but what about the, the back end of that defense? How, how have they benefited? And, and I guess what can you tell us about them? You know, there's promise there. It's a pretty good defense throughout. Uh, they do go too deep up front, which makes it very easy for them. Uh, they're a little thinner, and they're still trying to figure out who their guys are going to be in the secondary, especially. Uh, there's some intriguing young linebackers that they kind of like. Some have been hurt. Some have played. Uh, Thomas Davis, who obviously played for Ron Rivera for years in Carolina, is here, and that helps. John Bostic is a little older, and he helps as well. But there's a couple younger guys they like. Uh, you know, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who was in um, Chicago and kind of forgotten there, has come here and played really, really well. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, a little, you know, I'm a little more leery about the safeties. Landon Collins has played pretty well, but you know, his, his coverage hasn't been fantastic. That never was like his thing anyway. Uh, they're playing a young guy, Troy Apke, who really has gotten no time before. He's been, this will be his third year here. Suddenly out of nowhere, he's the other safety. And that's had its ups and downs. And they're still trying to figure out the corners. Kendall Fuller, the big free agent signing, has been hurt. There's a guy, Jimmy Moreland, they really are excited about. They really like. He's a little guy from James Madison. was a seventh-round pick last year. He's finally getting some real meaningful time. And, yeah, I think down the road, and maybe even later this year, he's going to kind of be a star. I think they think he can be. Uh, but right now it's very inexperienced, and they're still trying to figure that group out. Specifically, uh, I'm curious about how you see uh, the matchup between Chase and Jedrick Wills, the Browns' number 10 overall pick. Uh, now, we know that they're going to move Chase around a little bit. Do you expect to see that this game? Or do you think they'll, they'll try to exploit a rookie left tackle learning a new side of, of the line? Well, and remember, too, Washington, because of the new staff, is still trying to figure everything out as well themselves. And since they go too deep up front, you know, Young isn't going to be getting as many rushes as you would think that necessarily he would have if it was a year from now or even maybe six months from now or whatever, six months, but three months, two months, whatever it is. I think right now they're trying to get just lots and lots of reps for a lot of guys. So he probably won't be on the field as much as you would expect. Uh, I would say this, though. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't looked lost yet. Uh, he has done very well with the, with the guys he's gone up against so far. Uh, so we'll see. I am, I'm excited about that one too. I really, I really kind of want to see where, you know, I think this is a new test for him and it'll be interesting to see. He's passed everyone so far, whatever it's worth. Now on the other side of the ball, a, a guy that a lot of Browns fans who are also Ohio State fans know very well is, is Dwayne Haskins. Uh, you know, obviously Washington has decided to roll it back with him this year. Was, was that a vote of confidence in him? Was that more of, hey, you've got to chase, take Chase Young in that spot? What, what's the belief level right now in Haskins? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, well, first of all, yeah, you were definitely going to take Chase Young with that right. pick. Uh, there was no doubt about that. It was a no-brainer. Uh, but going back, yeah, I mean, the Haskins thing has been around with a lot of trouble all from the very beginning, and not very little of it his fault in a lot of ways. Uh, the previous regime did not want him. I think that was a little bit more of an owner pick, a uh, local kid. You know, he, he spent a lot of time growing up in the D.C. area, spent his high school years and junior high school years here. 
Uh, so it was very much one that I think Dan Snyder wanted, Jay Gruden, not so much. With a, it was, Gruden was coaching for his job anyway. So I, I think there was an idea you don't want to roll with a young quarterback. Uh, Haskins wasn't ready either. He had only played one year as a starter at Ohio State. So it was a bit of a struggle for him. Uh, he, he really looked lost last year and really did not come off to a lot of people as the leader. There was nothing, even when he was playing late in the year, that said he's the leader of this group. There was a lot of maturing, a lot of toughening that needed to come. Uh, Rivera came in, and I, I think from the very beginning, he had decided Dwayne Haskins was going to be the guy. He made a little bit of noise about maybe wanting to be able to have there be a little bit of competition, but not really. Uh, he was the guy. And I think he uses as his guidepost for everything Cam Newton. He came in, Rivera came in cold in 2011 without any offseason, if you remember with the lockout. Uh, Cam Newton was the first pick overall to Carolina, and he just went with him from the very beginning, and they went through the ups and the downs. I will say this about Haskins. Haskins has changed a ton in terms of his presence, in terms of how, you know, players have talked about how he's just a different guy around them. He's a lot more mature. He's, he's taking charge. I think one of the big moments you guys may have heard about was at the uh, halftime against Philadelphia when Washington's down 17-7. It looked terrible. Um, Rivera, he's getting cancer treatments. Among all the storylines with Washington is Ron Rivera has cancer. And so he was, getting, uh, he was getting an IV at halftime just to give him energy for the second half because of the treatments he's getting. And Dwayne Haskins went in the locker room, gave a halftime speech. Uh, and I think it kind of surprised everybody a little bit. So you see these steps that he's taking. But on the field, there's, there's, you know, he gets excited. He gets, he gets energized early in the games. He does all passes sail high. He kind of forgets his mechanics. And I think they're trying to work on him on having presence, staying under control. When he kind of settles into a game, he plays pretty well. Um, he's not getting a ton of protection. I think that hurts him too. Uh, but over, you know, I think their hope is, is that if they ride the ups and downs with him this year, that Rivera thinks he has his Cam Newton for the future, even if they're different style quarterback. Well, you know, as we're talking here, uh, I really think I've thought of the of the new nickname for for Washington. It just should, should be the Buckeyes, don't you think? I mean, <laughs> well, it could be, except for the fact that there's a ton of Alabama guys as well. I mean, you go through the roster, and it's funny because it's a lot of Ohio State guys. We haven't talked about Terry McLaurin, who you know came out of nowhere to play so well last year, and is their obviously their leading receiver this year too. Uh, but then they, uh, you know, they've. I forget the number now of Alabama guys, but I think it's six or seven. Uh, they, they've had a lot of opportunity to draft high in recent years. And so therefore they've taken a lot of Ohio state guys and a lot of Alabama guys. Uh, but yeah, it is interesting. There, there's three key Ohio state guys who are, uh, who are coming back this week to Ohio. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about Terry McLaurin. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about him and then as the injury report came out, as we're tape taping this on Thursday, uh, I see that uh, Brown's cornerback Denzel Ward was added to the injury report today uh, with a groin injury. He was limited today. You know, I still think he'll probably play, but he has had uh, some of those sort of soft muscle issues and he's their, obviously their best cornerback. I know that Terry plays in the slot a lot and things like that. But what do you see about the matchup, you know, with Terry and his connection with Dwayne and what do you see for him this game? Well, and of course, Terry is very excited to play against Ward. So, uh, so there's, there's that too. He's, he's definitely looking forward to that matchup because they know each other so well. Um, but I, I, 
McLaurin's an interesting one because they picked him in the third round last year almost as kind of like the guy who's like, okay, well, you take Dwayne, you got to take one of his guys from Ohio State too. And I think at the time the thought was, you know, McLaurin wasn't the, the featured guy at Ohio State. I think they thought, well, he'd be a special teams player. Maybe he could return kicks. He's quick. Uh, they, they just thought he'd be a great gunner and, you know, one of those guys and good to have around the locker. McLaurin's very, very mature. He's very composed and very aware of the world at a young age. Uh, and then out of nowhere, he just came and stole the top spot in training camp. I mean, literally just stole it. And he's basically not slowed down since then. So he, he's there. I mean, that's Haskins is one great target. The problem is, is I don't know who the second target is. And then there's really no tight ends here. They, they couldn't do anything in the off season. Uh, they moved on from Jordan Reed because of all the injuries, Bernie Davis retired and suddenly they're, they're stuck with nobody. So they signed Logan Thomas remember him the Virginia Tech quarterback who played you know a little bit for the Cardinals and then became a tight end and you know played a couple of years in Detroit and, you know, did okay with it and he's doing fine but they don't have that real go-to tight end and they don't have another go-to receiver outside of McLaren. Steven Sims is intriguing but he's a little guy who just kind of does some stuff and after that I, I don't really know Dontrell Inman has been kind of recycled he's here I mean but they don't really have that other go-to guy, and that's what they're looking for. They're looking for their go-to playmakers, and right now, outside of McLaren, they're not there. Now, big picture with Ron Rivera, you know, you mentioned he's, he's doing all this while he's going through cancer treatment, but has he sort of helped to stabilize things a little bit? You know, obviously, we know how dysfunctional the Browns organization has been, and, and Washington could probably uh, make a case that they're right up there. Has, has Ron sort of helped stabilize things? Yeah, he has. And that's been a big part of it. I mean, I, it was kind of a mess last year. And, you know, after they fired Jay Gruden and, you know, Bill Callahan, a guy you guys are familiar with there, you know, it's, came in and, you know, tried to, tried to change the whole culture, but he couldn't in a very short time. Uh, and that wasn't going to last anyway. Everyone knew he was interim. And you know, Bruce Allen, who had been a longtime team president here, things had just gotten sour and sour, more sour under him. And then, you know, all of a sudden they, they let, you know, Bruce is gone on the December 30th and on December 31st, Ron Rivera is hired and Ron's all about culture. He's all about bringing stability. And he's all about everybody in the whole organization has, has a role and a place. And uh, yeah, it has made, he's made an unbelievable difference here. That said, there's a lot to wade through. Uh, and, you know, they didn't really take care of the business side uh, in terms of leadership. So when, Bruce Allen was gone. It wasn't a team president to handle all those other things. So suddenly Ron Rivera in the offseason is handling some of the, you know, making some bigger business decisions, making calls on things. Plus he had to do the team response. Uh, you know, after George Floyd killing, I mean, and then he and Dan are working on the name together or what the new name is going to be. And all of a sudden, I think that was kind of wearing Rivera down. So they've taken care of that now. They've hired a, a very intriguing team president, Jason Wright. And yeah, I think now just being able to focus on coaching Rivera's done well with that. I, the players, from what they, the way they talk, you kind of get the sense of culture seeping in with them, that the things that Rivera was able to establish in Carolina have kind of been established here. Uh, and yeah, things are taking off a little bit. But yeah, overall, he has made an impact. But remember, too, he, he is ill. And this is something that comes up a lot. He, he didn't fly with the team last week when they went to Phoenix. He flew separately in a private plane. He slept the way home in a private plane uh, rather than fly in a team plane. Uh, he misses sometimes with, with treatments. He missed the first practice of the, uh, of the regular season. 
uh, you know, because he was getting a treatment. And, you know, I, I think everyone kind of is looking in the back of their mind that there will be a time that as these treatments pile up, he may have to miss a week or two. Uh, Jack Del Rio may be coaching his team for a little bit. So there's, there's a lot going on. He's brought stability, but there is a ton going on. Yeah, yeah you, you know what? Uh, just uh, having covered Jason Wright when he was here in Cleveland right. yeah. as a running back, I'd like to say I knew he was going to be the president of the Washington <laughs> <laughs> someday. But no, I mean, just in the, in the short time that I got to know him, but I, it really seems like he's going to be uh, just a real stabilizing influence there and a tremendous leader for Washington. I'm so happy uh, that Washington has a guy like that uh, to guide the team through these very, very turbulent times. I, I think he's just going to be amazing. Yeah, I completely forgot that he was in Cleveland and that you would know him. Yeah, he is. And I was talking to people in Phoenix where he had been for a few years, too, with the Cardinals. And there, you know, every person I talked to was asking, how's Jason Wright? You got to love Jason. Please tell Jason Wright. Said, Everybody loved this guy. Uh, and he has made an impact here. I mean, it's been a very short time. He's walked into a total mess. Uh, and he has definitely stabilized things. And it's funny you say that you, you thought he might be the president of Washington because there's actually – a line kind of around some of the people in football who knew him when he got hired who said yeah we we always thought he'd be the president of washington we just didn't think he'd be the football president we thought he'd be the president <laughs> so and he has that vibe about him he definitely comes across as someone who's going to get things done and kind of has control and is well beyond his years i can't believe it's not 40 yet it's amazing yeah, absolutely <laughs> so uh les i've got to ask do you do you make picks I mean, <laughs> I don't. I, I tend to steer away from it, but if you're putting me on the spot, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are your thoughts on this game? You know, this is an interesting one because you kind of circle it as Cleveland's had its troubles in the past, and you kind of think, of where can you know, where can this change that that, that Rivera is talking about? Where can it seep in? Where can he steal a win on the road? You would think maybe it'd be Cleveland. I just don't know that this offense is experienced enough and good enough yet to go on a road and win. I, I just, the, the, the problem, the biggest problem of all beyond the fact that there's no playmakers is that this offensive line is just, it, it's, it's young. It's, it's not coming together very well. Uh, I, I think they're going to have to make some decisions in the off season on that. So that's leading up to the fact that I just don't think that they can move the ball very well. And in that case, I, I just, I don't see them winning this game. I, I think it could be close. I think uh, the defense will play very well. I think they'll be surprised at how good this defensive front is. Uh, but I just don't – I don't see Washington winning this game. Can I ask you something real quick that I, I didn't ask you before about the defense? I mean, do you think that they will be able to uh, stop Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? That'll be interesting to see because, you know, the first two games, you know, two totally different styles. You have the Eagle style, once just standing back there and throwing, and they were able to feast on that. Uh, you had the style, obviously, of Kyler Murray being elusive. Now you got the, kind of the power running there. And I, I don't know. I, I, you know, their whole game so far has been on going forward. This whole, this whole front is all about going forward. Uh, the talent is there to do it. Uh, you absolutely could. Uh, but that, that would be interesting to see. I, and I, I do think they'll play well. Uh, I, just still, I just can't see this offense right now winning the game. Okay, uh, Les Carpenter of the Washington Post, and you can also follow him on Twitter. It's at Les Carpenter. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you. It was fun.